Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Jerry Sherwin. I am a writer at Blackheart Gold Pants. Joining me through multiple, multiple technical difficulties, it's both of the managing editors for the Pants and two dudes that aren't fast but can catch a freaking football. It's Ben Ross and Max Brecky. Boys, we've had some trouble. How are you? I'm so pissed off right now. Let's just do this. Maybe I am so happy to be here with my two friends to talk about Iowa sports. Let's go. Before we even got here, Ben literally had enough time on his crappy computer to go, oh no, <laughs> as it crashed. I don't know how <laughs> it his computer crashing, but he did. And it was probably one of the funnier things to happen in a pre-podcast uh, ensemble here. He says, oh no, yeah, and he just disappears for like five <laughs> minutes. So whatever. Yeah, my whole life, my life is a David Fincher movie, so we have that going for us. It's always a beautiful thing when you're recording in a classroom by yourself. We were a little worried for your safety at first, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I'm in a safe, secure location. Um, can't exactly disclose exactly, but uh, we'll, we'll be fine. Good. Well, before we get into the Wisconsin game, um, just for our listeners, I know I usually keep this for the end, but if you guys can go on to iTunes, subscribe to the Pants Party feed and give us a rating, a review, five stars for your boys here. It would help us out tremendously. We're going to have a fake read from Ben at some point today, but we are looking for real sponsors. So anything that you guys can do to let us know how you feel about the show, um, that would work wonders for us. Who said my read is fake? Well, maybe it's real. Maybe Ben was actually doing some actual work for the site for once. Yeah, it's just, oh, okay. I was just in Iowa City <laughs> trying to build connections there. We've got corporate par- partners. You'll see. And uh, I, want, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, if somebody could review uh, us and, like, rate us, like, it would show me that somebody actually listens to this podcast because as of right now, I'm convinced nobody actually listens to this besides ourselves. I've been subsidizing my paycheck to a click farm in India. So we do have that. I would, I would enjoy it if somebody would tell Max that he can actually say something when I ask him how he's doing. That would be something that like, I would know. It's like a little wink towards <laughs> me like, hey, guy. Hey, Jerry, I'm listening, bud. I'm listening. But anyways, let's go mm-hmm. ahead and get to the meat of today's podcast. Guys, is Wisconsin our big brother? Uh, uh, in football or in general? Uh, I'm thinking f- in general, but I mean, this is probably going to be more towards football right now because if you're looking at the two programs, everybody likes to think that we're equals, but I don't know how anybody can see that. As I think right every now. single Iowa fan in the entire world would tell you that they want to be where Wisconsin is as a football program, and they have every single right to have that thought. And I know we beat Wisconsin in basketball last year, uh, but that was off of a gorgeous, miraculous Jordan Bohannon three. They drink our milkshake. Wisconsin drinks our milkshake all across the state border in recruiting, on the football field, in cheese curds, and in beer. And I'm sorry, but Wisconsin is our older brother, and we have a really tough time fitting into those Levi dungarees. Uh, yeah, probably. 
<laughs> as informed as ever. <laughs> Thank you, Max. I, I gave you so, a response when we started. I had to give you nothing there. Um, that's true. Well, that's because I kind of dragged it out of you. Well, then let's get into it. What did you guys see from this travesty? Is there anything that hasn't been said at this point You know, from our writers on the site? Uh, do you guys have something illuminating that you can kind of talk me off this ledge I'm sitting on? Because I'm I'm in a bad place again, and it's not fun. Yeah, no, it, it was a bad football game. Jo- Josh Jackson's really good, but he's also probably going to leave us at the end of the year. So, I mean, yeah. there's there's your one bright spot, and then there's the immediate downslide right back to sadness. Uh, yeah, no, there was absolutely nothing to take away from that game that was even – okay like i wouldn't well what was good on offense what was was there one good thing on offense uh, when you net four yards total if you include the sacks and on passing plays no um, the- they they play they they walked out onto the field at the end of the game repeatedly even though they knew that they were not going to get anywhere with the football Nick easily ran a sweep that was meant for Amir Smith Marset that probably would have gone for 15 more yards if it did go to Amir Smith Marset um, that's it. We, we are running to the box with eight guys again. Um, Stanley has fumbling problems again. Um, uh, I don't know if this is Brian Ferentz or Kirk Ferentz's fault. We're sure as shit lucky to have Phil Parker. Um, that's all I got. That's a good point, Ben, because I think Phil Parker's been an underrated person, at least on this podcast from us. We don't really talk I've about I've been on the his... Phil Parker love train since I've, my entire football fandom, even when he was a D-backs coach, uh, when Norm was. Phil Parker could probably be a head coach at a, at a slightly lesser program. I'm sure he's gotten offers. He's making, last I checked, around six fifty a year, and he could be making at least double that at a different program. And I mean, yeah, good for him. I'm glad he can stay and become one Iowa city, but he is a reason why Iowa has been in any football game at all of, of the last, however many years, his defense in 20 in 2015, when we went 12 and 0, I mean, that, 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 that team was stellar and look at and look at his record at putting people in the NFL. Look at his record at just defensive backs alone. We're going to have Josh Jackson. He's got Desmond Kane, a defensive back. He was responsible for Tyler Sash. Um, Greg Mabin is in the NFL. BJ Lowry's in the NFL. I'm pretty sure he's on a practice squad. I mean, is one of the Praetors still in the NFL? Uh, I don't know. I mean, about and him. we like, forgot about Micah, Micah Hyde. Hyde. Yeah. Your reigning AFC defensive player of the year, uh, month. Um, look at, I don't know if there's a coach, and specifically a coach to a position group in the country who has done what Phil Parker has been able to do with defensive backs. And it's really sad that our offense hasn't been able to support him and give him really the, 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 the press he deserves, the recognition he deserves. I am fired up. Max, any thoughts? <laughs> I'm, I'm just so discouraged by Iowa football right now. Like it's, I'm almost at a loss for words. Like If you don't ask me a specific question, I'm going to have very, very little to say about Iowa football. I'm here for the basketball talk and for the talking about the beer that I enjoyed during the Iowa football game. Yeah, and what uh, beer was that? I was in Minneapolis, and I was oh. drinking Summit Winter Ale, which is absolutely fantastic. Were you at the Summit Brewery? No, I was not. I wish that I was. Instead, where of, were you? Uh, I was. Uh, where did I go? Um, I mean, must have been a rough yeah. Night. You know, I'm from Minneapolis. I got to hear your bar, what you had to drink, when, where, what you had to eat. I mean, we can turn this into a yeah. This is yeah. This is in Ben's Alley. Yeah. 
Uh, you can't remember one place. No, I can't. <laughs> well, I was in Minneapolis for one day. Okay. Uh, and it was just the last day. I ended up going to uh, Blue Door. Blue Door is fantastic. Yeah, fantastic burgers. Do you have uh, Juicy Bluesy? Yeah, I had uh, the one with the ghost pepper cheese on the inside of it. Yeah, hold on. Give me a second to undo my belt. Um, <laughs> the Mount Blasuvius. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, oh, yeah, the tater tots are good there. Okay. They were fantastic. Anyways, back to the Iowa football. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. Minnesota talk. Yeah. We got that segment out of the way. New segment. <laughs> Minnesota Minnesota, uh, adventures in Minnesota culinary experiences. Yeah. So if I were to ask you guys at the beginning of the, when we first started this podcast, at the beginning of the year, and I said I was going to go one and one against Ohio State and Wisconsin, would, would any of us have been upset about that i mean no. probably not no, but i feel as though not. we would have i feel as though we would have expected the win to come against wisconsin and not ohio state but after the way that iowa manhandled ohio state you know like even if they played a close game and lost against wisconsin i think things would be okay but they but they came out of the game with 66 yards of offense and that's why I think why it's such an upsetting and terrible and awful thing is because they look, were so inept. Here's the confounding thing to me. I think the consensus was that this team, the absolute ceiling was nine wins, and everybody, probably I'd say 80% of people projected seven or eight wins. A couple of people projected six. Not just on our site, but the commentariat and people who get paid, actually get paid, like Mark Morehouse, real pundits, predicted 78 wins. And here we are, for lack of a better term, we're stark raving mad. And we'll probably end up going to have an 8-1 season. And that's what we predicted at the start. And I don't think I'm alone in that. No, and I think we're mad because of the two ways that Iowa's lost to this Wisconsin game and against Northwestern. Look at the two games combined. Iowa gave up really long punt returns mm-hmm. because of shitty punt from Matt Vandenberg or the the unit and as a whole. That one that bounced to the six yard line completely just dismantled anything that was we had maybe working for us. And it's the same with Northwestern. They had like the longest uh, punt in their entire school's history. All right. So the reason why I think people are so upset is like look at the way that Iowa lost this game against Wisconsin. And look how they lost against Northwestern. You had two big punts that completely flipped the field position for Iowa. They couldn't move the football, and Wisconsin ended up scoring on those plays. The same thing happened against Northwestern. We had that giant punt Mm -hmm. that went for like the longest punt in school history now for the Wildcats, and Iowa never recovered. On top of that, they can't run the football. And this week, all of a sudden, Brian and or Kirk and or both decided going to the tight end was too cute. And that Wisconsin was going to completely like go shut those guys down. I don't understand what happened, but like there is a consistency with Iowa on the road this year yeah. that is not even close to the type of product they are at home. Yeah, no, I mean, I I would agree to a certain certain extent. Yeah, you need to get the ball to your tight ends because that's where Iowa thrives. But at the same time, if you were watching like closely to see kind of how that was going. Their tight ends were blanketed by Wisconsin. Wisconsin was basically it was the exact opposite of what everybody else does. Wisconsin said, throw to your wide receivers. We don't care. We're going to take your tight ends away. And I don't think that Iowa was really prepared for that to happen. Honestly, why not, though? I've been super impressed by Nick Easley this year, and we know what Matt Vandenberg is capable of. Yeah, I mean, they're not – neither of them are going to be in the league, but they're still, I'd say, 
above average to to good Big Ten wide receivers. But I mean, I've been very impressed with Nick Easley, and I just don't. And then there's Amir Smith Marset. I mean, I really hate beating this drum, but the drops really did kill us. I think Jordan Hansen counted four drops in his rewatch, and two of those would have been for first downs, or three of those would have been for first downs. Noah Fant, Matt Vandenberg, and Amir Smith-Marset dropped a huge first down, potential touchdown in the, I think, in the first or second yep. quarter. Um, the, the, the drops have been something that this team has struggled with for years, ever since I've been a fan. Um, 2012, the drops absolutely killed us, and that we won four games that year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming a little bit of almost an epidemic because if I was not able to open up this run game by throwing the football to other people outside of Hawkinson and Fant, what, what are they going to possibly do? Like the fact that I was averaging 1.5 yards per carry in Big Ten road games, like you're never going to win on the road if that's the case, ever. No, it's just not sustainable. And I mean – this reminds me, I mean, obviously I don't want to compare it's apples and oranges, but it reminds me of Michigan last year. Like they played three games outside the state of Michigan and lost two of them, not counting the bowl game. Iowa just can't win outside of Iowa this year. It's like, I mean, thank God we got Purdue at home this week. Otherwise I would legitimately be worried about that game if we're playing in the buzzsaw that is Ross aid stadium. No, yeah, absolutely. Max. I mean, what do you think that I like? Are you worried that Iowa might not win these next two games against Purdue and Nebraska, knowing what this offense has done, especially at Nebraska on Black Friday? Uh, I mean, a little bit, but that's not because I don't. That's not because I think either of these teams are good. It's because I don't think that this team can kind of, you know, uh, face adversity in a in a road contest because. If Nebraska, I feel like their fans will be there in droves for the Black Friday game. And when that happens to be the case, will this team be able to, you know, kind of show up and face that or, you know, kind of overcome that adversity? Because that's that's a tough environment when they're, you know, going when they want to be going. It's, you know, it's. I think that's dependent on that. I feel like if Iowa fans somehow infiltrate that stadium pretty well, or if it's just a half full stadium at the end of the year because Nebraska's absolutely died as a program throughout the season, you know, maybe then they'll have a chance. But I I'm not optimistic based off the road performances so far this season. They've have had one good road performance. It was against Iowa State in the right. state of Iowa. So uh, it's hard to, you know, give them that. It's hard to be optimistic and be hopeful about something like that just because, well, they haven't shown that consistency. And that's what I was saying a couple weeks ago. I couldn't pick them to beat Ohio State because their offense is showing me nothing. I picked them to beat Wisconsin, and their offense once again showed us nothing. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. Jerry, are you still alive? Okay, you're still alive. Yeah, I'm I'm still here. I, I, it's... I, again, technical <laughs> difficulties. This just happened like, again, five minutes ago. We got kicked off, had to come back on, but we have such a good uh, producer and Matt that he took care of this. But um, so going back to the offense then, is are do you guys think this is Brian Ferentz's – is this on him then at this point again? Or no. do you think Kirk meddled? Like where are you both in the Brian Ferentz's offensive coordinator thing? I don't. I don't want to be a Brian Ferentz apologist here, but this team was not prepared in any, fa- especially on offense. On offense, in any facet of the game, Brian. I don't know. 
the offensive line got completely and totally outclassed by three down linemen the whole freaking game. Um, you know, the running backs weren't used effectively, so I guess we can put that on Brian. Um, the Okay, so now, now I'm talking myself into blaming Brian Ferentz. Besides the offensive line, yeah, let's put this on him. Yeah, sure, why not? Lay it all on his feet. But uh, I don't know. I, I think this team was wholly and totally unprepared to face Wisconsin, and it's unfair to point the finger at one of the two Ferences. You need to point both your pointer fingers at both of the Ferenci on staff. <laughs> Max? <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. I caught almost absolutely none of that. So hope if I if I copy what he said, I'm so sorry. Um, it's they were destroyed by Wisconsin's defense. Wisconsin's defense came to play. It's, I mean, I want to put the blame on somebody on Iowa, but Wisconsin's defense, you know, they really came out. They really destroyed Iowa in every facet of the game, and you know, it's you could say execution, you could say the coaching. You know, it was bad, but it's it was a absolutely rough go of it, and I think that a lot of credit needs to be given to Wisconsin rather than blaming somebody else on the Iowa staff. Uh, I don't, I don't buy that. The uh, Wisconsin's defensive coordinator. This is his second year, Jim Leonard, second year in the position, first year calling plays on the defense. I don't. Yeah, Wisconsin's a great football program, but our 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 coaching staff is so has so many years on Wisconsin's coaching staff that I don't I, I don't want to give any credit to Wisconsin. And Hornybrook isn't a good quarterback. Hornybrook tried. They did everything possible on offense to give us the game. Uh, I'm not going to give as much. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin's got a great defense, but I'm not going to give them. Uh, I I really I really think I would. Uh, I wasn't themselves. giving their offense credit. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I don't care about their their offense. I don't. I wasn't. It wasn't part of the question. The question was about their defense, or it was about Iowa's offense. And I mean, we could talk about you know Jonathan Taylor and Alex Hornibrook and whatever. But I think that uh, you know Wisconsin's defense. They came to play in this particular game. They their defensive coordinator had a perfect game plan for Iowa, which was take the tight ends away, you know, stop the run put pressure on the quarterback and it worked. Yeah, you're right. I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah, it worked to perfection. And here we are once again, a three and four big 10 football team with two more games, one against our most hated rival and another against Nebraska, who's basically quitting on their coach at this point. So could be toss ups, could be troublesome games, but um, I think I could come back and, you know, get the ship right before they go into bowl season and then completely, you know, get handled by some other team that's more prepared than we will be. Um, but before we kick it over to JP and I see for a recruiting update, do you boys have anything else to say about this Wisconsin game? Or are we ready to just kind of just meh and blow it off? I was ready to say meh and blow it off before we even started. Yeah. Concur. All right, let's get over to JP and I see for a little recruiting and some exciting times ahead for the Iowa Hawkeyes football team and basketball team. Since we can only talk so long about how awful that Wisconsin game was, I thought it would be a great time to bring in our old friend JP and IC to talk a little recruiting for both basketball and football. JP, what's going on, buddy? I am doing well, my man. Uh, we're talking about the future of Iowa Iowa hoops and Iowa football. So uh, given the way things have gone uh, the last week or so on the football field, I feel like this is uh, this is our only hope, man. 
Some positivity would do everybody some good, I think. A breath of fresh air. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive into some of the hoop stuff. That was last week, signing day. Iowa got two commits. Talk to me a little bit about C.J. Frederick and our boy Joy, Joe. Is it Wieskamp or Weisskamp? Have we decided yet on what that is? Wieskamp, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those uh, that I'm sure Dolph is going to mess up about a million times over his four years here. But, uh, yeah, Joe Wieskamp from Muscatine, obviously the big name in the class. Um, he was the first to sign uh, earlier in the day. He had been committed for like two and a half years, so I think everybody may have even forgotten about him. But this is a guy that's coming in as the highest-rated recruit, uh, really in the in the rivals era. So since I think 2003, the highest-rated recruit that I was gotten, he comes in I think in the top 40 or so, um, and and really I think is a guy that had he not committed to Iowa, you know, two and a half years ago, probably would have had some pretty impressive offers, may have uh, been able to jump his stock up to, you know, borderline McDonald's All-American type. He is just a pure shooter with an ability to get into the hoop, into the lane, attack the hoop. And uh, he's shown the ability as well to just kind of back down uh, smaller guards in the post. And so, you know, really got an impressive offensive repertoire. And uh, I think uh, Iowa fans are going to be a big time Big time fans of Joey's camp for years to come. So that's the headliner. Uh, and then the other the other addition, um, as I like to call him, is, is just the gravy on top of the mashed potatoes here. CJ Frederick, uh, another shooting guard. He's a three star out of uh, Kentucky. So just across the river from from Cincinnati there um, at Covington Catholic. And he's a guy that is really just a pure shooter. So uh, maybe he doesn't have the full offensive skill set of a guy like Wieskamp, but he can just knock it down from anywhere on the court. Um, and that's obviously something that, that Fran has shown he really wants on his teams is, is somebody to step in um, and knock it down from anywhere on the floor. So this is a guy that had originally agreed to walk on to Iowa. Um, you know, there wasn't an available scholarship, the departure of Christian Williams. Um, you know, unfortunately we lose that defense, but You know, you're able to, to hand a scholarship to a guy like Frederick here who is, you know, willing to walk on to play for, for McCaffrey. He had some family ties there um, dating back to McCaffrey's days at Notre Dame. And so um, you're really getting kind of a free player there at this point. I think, you know, it's a it's a hell of a player to add as, as a, you know, a free player, if you will. So things look pretty good for 2018. That'll wrap it up there. You know, nobody else to add. Well, before we get move on, then what – What are what are the outlooks for these two? I know that you you've mentioned Peter Jock in the same realm as Wieskamp. Is he can he potentially be better than Peter Jock was? And what about Frederick? Is he a guy that's in the mold of a Josh Oglesby type? Um, can can he be better than those types of players that we've seen in Iowa before, where they just come in to basically hopefully knock down a, a long three and that's really all we can hope for from them. You know, what are your expectations? Yeah, absolutely. On those you know, it, it's, it's obviously tough to say um, with any sort of certainty, given that, you know, these guys are, are, you know, just graduating high school. We haven't seen them on campus yet, anything like that, but um, Wieskamp, you know, you, you hit, hit the nail on the head there. He's in that, that Peter Jock mold. He is a knockdown shooter from everywhere. Um, but I would, I would even venture to say that, you know, he reminds me a little bit of, of Jock maybe before he had both of those knee injuries, Um, in that he's just, he's really good around the hoop. Um, and so, you know, you think about, there was a point where, where, um, Jock was actually, uh, uh, you know, one of the top, top recruits in the country. And, and, and that certainly kind of fits with Wieskamp. Um, he's a guy that, 
you know, like I said, was, was borderline McDonald's all American. And so I think, um, you know, obviously it's, it's early. We're going to have to see how he develops, but, um, I think Peter Jock's jock is a really good, uh, comparison as far as the, the skill set, you know, walking onto campus for Joe Wieskamp. And then, um, with Frederick, yeah, I think, I think you're looking at, um, you know, someone like, like Josh Oglesby or, or, or on the, the current roster, you know, Brady Ellingson type, um, you know, he's, he's got the ability to put the ball on the floor. Um, he can get into the lane and finish in some, some traffic, but you know, really he's, he's there to be a shooter. And so, um, I think that's really the, the one thing he's going to bring with, with some consistency. And, you know, obviously there's some negative connotations with a guy like Oglesby, all the talk about him being the best shooter in practice that Fran's ever seen, you know, and, and not always translating to, to on the court, but, um, you know, we'll have to see, you know, exactly how that plays out with Frederick, but I think that's kind of the role that he would be playing. Awesome. And what's going on on the horizon? Obviously we have Pat McCaffrey in the fold. Um, I think, is he going to, you know, take the seat of Wieskamp once he finally, you know, he comes into town as the best recruit under the, in the McCaffrey era. And are there any other big names that Fran's going after right now? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Pat, I think a lot of folks had just considered him a commit for a while. Um, and he's a, he's a guy that, um, you know, he, he's obviously Fran's kid. Um, he, he was assumed to be committed, but he hadn't really committed. Wait, what? Formally. <laughs> he hadn't formally committed, um, here until, you know, a couple weeks ago. And so, um, you know, when he does sign, he will be the, the highest rated recruit that, that we've ever seen here um, again in, in the rivals era. So, you know, back to 2003, there's some some names further back that, um, you know, might be a little bit higher in terms of uh, national ratings. But but Pat's going to be a kid just like like Wieskamp, who's going to be borderline McDonald's All-American. You know, he's a he's a big kid at six, eight, six, nine. He can shoot it from all over the floor. He can attack the hoop. Um, he can he can get up. You know, not not quite like Tyler Cook, but but think of a guy, um, you know, with, with similar athleticism for, a, you know, going into his junior year. Um, he's obviously going to have to, to um, you know, maintain his his jumping ability, his speed, his agility um, and, and add some bulk before he gets to the college level. But um, at this point, yeah, he's he's going to be a, a fantastic, a fantastic uh, commit for, for Fran and the Hawkeyes. Um, and so that's a, that's a hell of a way to start off, you know, 2019 and, and similar to Connor, right. That adds a lot of flexibility in that, you know, worst case scenario, if, if you've got a bunch of guys lining up to come, yeah, it's potentially an extra scholarship. So as it stands right now, um, you know, there's room for three guys. You've got, um, the departure of Ellingson, Ahmad Wagner, um, and Nicholas bear, uh, next season. Um, and, and, you know, obviously if anybody else were to leave, that would open up another scholarship and, and Connor's not on one currently. So he could, he could slide in there or whatever, but, um, having, having two McCaffrey's on the roster, um, really adds a ton of flexibility with those scholarships. And so, um, Fran is definitely doing some, some big fish hunting right now. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's in on, on a kid named DJ Carton out of Bettendorf. Um, he's a top 100 type kid, a point guard. Uh, I know we've talked in the past about Fran seems to want sort of a, a water bug type to really just kind of um, penetrate and dish. And, and I wouldn't say that Carton necessarily fits that description. Um, he's he's a good ball handler. He's a good shooter. Um, he's not somebody that's going to blow by his defender and, and, and attack the hoop um, all the time. But he's got a little bit of that ability. Um, and like I said, a top 100 kid. So, you know, you're not going to get some slouch um, that can't put the ball on the floor. 
so that's really their focus is getting another point guard in 2019. And then aside from that, it's, it's some really big names. So they've had a couple kids come in. Um, we did an update, you know, a month or so ago, uh, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, a power forward out of Indiana, top 50 type kid. Um, and he can really get up. He's, a, he's one that, you know, I mentioned uh, Tyler Cook type, type athleticism earlier. That's exactly what you're getting out of, out of Jackson Davis. Um, and then another one, Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Kansas. He's a top 20 type kid. Uh, maybe not the same level of athleticism as Jackson Davis or somebody like Tyler Cook, but just really refined around the rim. Um, think of, he's a little bit shorter than Luca Garza, but think of like Luca Garza's offensive game uh, with a little bit more pep in his step, a little bit better um, athleticism. So um, that's why you see him ranked so highly. And then another name, uh, you're kind of seeing a trend here, but a, a power forward slash small forward, um, EJ Liddell out of St. Louis area. I think he's from the, the Illinois side of the river there, but um, has some tie-ins with Tyler Cook, and his game looks a hell of a lot like Tyler Cook's. So another one of those top 100 type kids. Um, so I would expect, you know, 2019, Fran, Fran's obviously going to put some emphasis on grabbing a point guard, and I think it's going to be best available. I would, I'd look for, you know, a small forward, power forward, um, that type of player. Um, and again, three spots currently available, um, could be four, uh, based on what happens with the current roster and, and Pat potentially not taking a scholarship, all that fun stuff. So 2019 is going to be a lot of fun to watch, uh, for Hawkeye basketball recruiting. Yeah. You have me already excited about this. And the point guard thing that you bring up, um, is key to me because, uh, people say it all the time, but it, it's true. The point guard play in the tournament matters very, very much. And, you can have a whole plethora of dudes like Jared Utah or Aaron White, or you know if it's Pat McCaffrey who Aaron White wishes he probably could be at this point. Um, you still need a point guard that is able to either deliver the ball, shoot from the outside, or get to the rack. Um, that that matters tremendously, and I don't know if we've seen that yet from Fran McCaffrey recruiting class. So knowing that he's going after these kids hard to be able to pair up with you know the Wees Camps and the McCaffreys. Um, is, is going to be huge for this Iowa team moving forward because it, I think we can both agree that Fran's turning a page here. This is going to be his best group of talent to date, um, and it almost seems like it might be his ceiling. I don't know if he's going to be one of those coaches that are going to start dealing with one and dones. So in this top 75, top 50 realm, that's got to be Fran's bread and butter from here on out, um, and it's intriguing yeah, I think, I think encouraging that there. he's able I mean, to start getting these guys. One of the biggest concerns I have with this year's group is is the guard play. Um, we obviously know how good Jordan Bohannon can be. Um, we don't know a lot about Connor McCaffrey. Um and we kind of know what we're getting with, with a Brady Ellingson and, and there are some question marks on Isaiah Moss, you know, how good can he be, but you get into March and, and you know, it really comes down to how good can your guards be? Um, I think we've seen early this year. I mean, it's two uh, pretty lousy games so far, but um, the, the play in the front court is going to be pretty impressive. I think fans are really going to like what they see out of some of these big guys. And so, you know, how do they, how do they fill that with, um, you know, guard play if there's an injury to a guy like Jordan Bohannon, God forbid. Right. And so I think that's where the focus has to be going forward is, you know, adding some ball handlers that can really break people down off the dribble, knock down some shots from the outside um, to complement what he's got in the, in the cupboard already, as far as big men. Um, and if he can do that, you know, 2019, 2020, those are going to be some pretty fun years to watch Iowa basketball. Um, and it looks like that's what he's looking for. 
anything else on the basketball front before we turn over to football? Uh, I think I think that's all I got on hoops. We can we can pivot to football. Um, you know, not as exciting there. No, no signing day yet. The uh, the early signing day is coming up here though. Um, we're just over a, a month away. Uh, it's kind of a new thing this year. People may forget December twentieth um, is the uh, the early signing day for for high school kids. Um, and Iowa will be looking to sign a whole bunch of them. So. Um, they're expecting to take 18 or so kids in this class. It may jump up to, to 19 or 20, depending on, you know, if anybody leaves, um, you know, early in, in January, February timeframe. Um, but, uh, right now they're looking at, they've got 14 kids committed with the addition of, of Ben Van Summeren last week. So if, if people haven't been out to the site to see it yet, there's a post out there on, on Ben, the newest commit. Um, he's a former Western Michigan commit committed there um shortly after the departure of, of your your bff pj fleck um then got an offer from pj at, at minnesota um and then obviously got the offer from iowa here and um <clears throat> if, if, if you haven't seen it i'd like you to just take a second here to take a peek at, at the video in the post um so ben plays plays linebacker and tight end um for his his high school team he's a a two-star by rivals, I think that's probably going to jump up. And when you take a look at that video, you're going to see why. So if you, if you speed up to about 13 seconds in in that video, Jerry, and just uh, take a peek at what you see there, um, the kid is is really gifted athletically. And uh, he went to a, a Nike opening event and posted the the best spark score at you know, the whole thing. Um, he's like top 10 in the country from an athleticism standpoint. Um just really jumps off the screen when you're watching that video. Um, so I don't know if you had a chance to, to see that yet, but I think Iowa fans, once they, once they see the kid play a little bit, are going to be pretty excited. I think it's pretty obvious he's going to get a ratings bump um, after he's evaluated a little bit further. I think maybe the questions are around the level of competition. It sounds like he's at a, a school that's roughly the size of like a three, a school in Iowa uh, for some context there, but um, really big, really fast, likes to hit people really hard. Um, sounds like the perfect uh, linebacker recruit for, for Iowa football. All right. Well, I got it queued up here, and it is telling me, unfortunately, license restrictions prevent video viewing in my location. So that's shocking in and of itself. So I think we're going to have to just move on from the Ben video until I can watch this somewhere else. <laughs> Perfect. That's exactly the reaction I was looking for. Um, <laughs> suffice it to say, the kid looks like a bull in a china shop. Um, he is, I, I've said this to a couple of folks now, he looks like in one of those those videos of like the mascots playing against like five-year-old kids in tackle football and the, the mascots are adult men just showing absolutely no mercy. Um, he's stiff-arming kids to the ground. He's bowling through blockers and then uh, – bulldozing the running back um he's he's catching passes in the flat and then just running over about four guys en route to like a, a 40 yard touchdown run um i think he finished with like 1300 yards and 13 touchdowns on offense and and like i said just I, i'm sure he's got a couple kids in a body bag um from his defensive exploits as well. So um, that's the latest addition. Um, like I said, they're at 14 now, probably 18 to 20 or so um, total for the class. Uh, you would expect all those kids that are committed now to sign in December. Anybody that doesn't sign, I would guess they probably move on from. 
Um, they'll be looking to fill out the rest of the class then, you know, here, uh, obviously in, in November and December. I think things speed up a little bit now that, um, you know, the high school seasons are pretty much wrapping up. There's, a, I think there's three Iowa recruits currently still in the playoffs. Um, the rest of them are already already done. And so, you know, as, as those wind down and, and the rest of the uh, college season winds down, you'll see a couple more um, commitments probably before signing day, and then they'll fill out the rest in the spring. One of those those big names that that's probably going to float around out there um, into the spring is is John Wagner. He's a defensive end from Des Moines Dowling, four-star kid, um, really good pass rusher. And if you can think about a guy like AJ Epinesa and and, and a four-star kid like Wagner on the other end uh, for the next couple of years pretty exciting stuff to think about on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and then as far as what, what the other things they'll be looking for to, to kind of fill out the class, it's still probably take a, a quarterback. Um, there's a couple guys, uh, there's a, a dual threat kid out of Minnesota named Trey Lance that, that um, doesn't have an offer yet, but it sounds like they're, they're keeping their eyes and ears open on him. And then a kid named Carter Bradley out of Florida is one that they've been, um, in touch with, uh, actually is, is Gus Bradley's son. So Gus Bradley, formerly the, the defensive coordinator of the Jaguars now with, uh, the LA chargers. Um, so his son is a, is a quarterback down in Jacksonville and it sounds like they've maybe cooled on him a little bit, but that's another name to kind of, um, follow as they looked at a quarterback in this class. Uh, not that there's anything, you know, pressing from a need standpoint, uh, at quarterback, but I think, you know, philosophically they'd probably like to take one every year or so um and then they'll probably add another another offensive lineman um and then the last spot i think is probably a, a best available type and right now it's looking like that might be uh dallas cradius is a, a defensive back out of st louis he's a guy I, I thought they might push a little bit harder for early and then um you know they got commitments out of dj johnson and, and julius brents out of indianapolis um you know kelvin bell been really pounding the pavement out in Indiana and they've got a nice little pipeline going there out of those two. Um, and, and they kind of shut things down from a defensive back standpoint. Um, Cradius sounded like was maybe a Nebraska lean. Nebraska looks a lot like a dumpster fire. I wouldn't expect anyone on that staff to be there uh, for any of these guys. And so, um, you know, he's kind of open, I think at this point, it sounds like he's actually coming in for a visit, an unofficial visit here this week. And then, may try to get back for an official in December. So that's a name to really kind of keep your eyes on um, as they look to maybe add one or two guys before that early signing period. So um, that'd be another big time get. He's a, a three-star kid, a lot of athleticism. Be real nice to, to add to, you know, Brents and, and Johnson and then Terry Roberts, a kid out of uh, Erie PA. That um, you know, He's a, a only a two-star, but he's one of those kids that um, kind of like the Van Summeren kid where, you look at him on tape and you're like, that's just, that's not a two star. Um, somebody dropped the ball on the evaluation there. And um, I was always pretty happy to, to find those kids and add them to their stockpile. So um, could be a nice little group, I think from a football recruiting standpoint. Um, and like I said, they'll, they'll have a little bit more clear picture here as we get into December on how that's going to wrap up. I, I just finally found a 16 second video of your boy, Ben Van Summeren, and he just completely hit stick some dude on the sideline. And then he had a sack at that where nobody even touched him. So your bull in China shop definitely rings true to this. He also might have a little case on his hands because 
I went to my phone to try to pull up that video that you told me to go look up. And now it's telling me that it's been removed in response to a report from copyright holder. So I don't know. Ben might have some copyright infringement on his hands here from whatever that video you wanted me to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um, he looks to me like, you know, Iowa tends to get a lot of these kids that are kind of underdeveloped. And like I said, he just looks like a man amongst boys. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out. He does. Um, you know, typically, they're, you know, Iowa's getting guys and, and developing them and, you know, letting Doyle get his hands on him and putting 30, 40 pounds on him. I'm trying to imagine that kid with another 30, 40 pounds of muscle on him. And it's a scary thought. Um, so we'll see. He, he may be, you know, closer to the high end um, of, of his, his development already in high school. But um, I think, like I said, you look at that video and he's, it's, it's hard to see a two-star kid on, on tape anyways. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, out of this entire, you know, class for 2018, um, who are you most excited for and why should it be Julius Brents or Tyrone Tracy? Because those are the two dudes that have stuck out to me that I'm already kind of building up in my head for whatever position they end up being. Obviously, Tyrone Tracy's kind of, uh, he's one of those ath- pure athletes. Julius Brents is, I believe, a, a defensive back. Um, you know, who are you most excited to see? Well, Brents in, in is the, the, the highest rated. He's the, the four star of the group right now. Um, and he's, he's, uh, a little bit bigger. He's a safety that stands around six, two, six, three. So he's, he's a big kid, um, which is, you know, always nice to see in the secondary. And I think, you know, from a defensive standpoint, that's obviously exciting, but, but Tyrone Tracy's a kid that's just putting up video game numbers right now. And, um, you know, he's playing in, in Indianapolis Metro area, um, I think he finished the year with, you know, around 1400 yards rushing 13 touchdowns. And, and this is where it's going to blow your mind. 11 and a half yards a carry. Uh, and then, and then receiving another 1100 Ooh. yards, receiving 16 touchdowns, almost 21 yards a catch. So the kid is just, he's all over the place. Um, he's not the biggest guy. He's, he's listed as an athlete. He's going to play receiver for Iowa, but um, probably not quite as fast as Amir Smith Marset, but um, he's, he can definitely catch. He's got he some catch, wiggle though. to him. He catch. Um, he's going to outrun a lot of guys if you get into a foot race. So that's the name that I'm, I'm probably most excited for. Another one that you didn't mention there is, is Henry Guile, running back out of the Green Bay area. Um, he finished with around 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, uh, six and a half yards a carry as a true running back. And he's, he's kind of a, a big bruiser. Um, but he's got some speed to him too. So he's, he's one of those guys that you, you turn on the tape and you look for him to just run people over and he does, but then he just, he gets to that second level after he's run over a linebacker or something and he just takes off and he's gone. And, and, you know, defensive backs are, are losing ground trying to catch him. So, um, that's a kid that, that obviously, you know, with the depth they've got at running back probably isn't going to get a ton of run early. But um, definitely a name that I think you, know, you stash in the back of your mind, and in a year or two from now, you know maybe he's an, he's the next guy to to step in um, behind guys like Ivory Kelly Martin, Torin Young, uh, Torin Young, another Wisconsin guy. So um, they've had some success up there. Obviously, this, Wisconsin's had plenty of success on their own uh, getting the running backs. But um, that's a name I, I like as well for for 2018. Awesome. Anything else you want to touch on as far as recruiting? Um, for football, basketball, or just Iowa in general? I think that's it, man. We, we've run along here, so uh, I'll let you get back to your, your fun with uh, everybody else, and uh, go Hawks. Jonah, you running long? Shocker. <laughs> right? 
All right, folks. Well, hopefully that adds a little bit of fun to what has kind of been a somber start to the podcast. Coming up on the other end, me, Max, and Ben talk some gambling and the upcoming Purdue game. All right, big thanks to JP and IC for that update on the recruiting half. I think that Iowa's got some really promising players coming in, especially on the basketball front. Um, I'm really excited to kind of see what Joe Wieskamp can be. If he's anything, if his ceiling's a better Peter Jock, we're going to be in for a treat coming up here uh, soon. But since we're on the basketball topic, Ben, you're the only one out of us three that's actually been able to watch an Iowa basketball game. So my first question for you is, did you pay to watch that game on Big Ten Plus or BTN Plus? And why? I, uh, I'll admit I went through some nefarious channels to access the Alabama State game on a cloudy Sunday afternoon in Chicago, and it was worth it. It was worth trying to reroute my entire apartment building's internet to uh to get 80 minutes of you know it was pretty much garbage basketball but i got to see my beloved hawkeyes and let me tell you i know alabama state is probably number 352 out of 355 in the kempom ratings for college basketball this year but there is a lot to like out of this iowa hoop squad and let me start off with luca garza number dub five shit is he 44 i can't remember anyway (laughs) (laughs) and like a linebacker let me tell you he is basically let me he's adam woodbury but good um and that should just be hey 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 i know i know i know sorry sorry, i am an adam woodbury apologist (laughs) sorry 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 he's a i I, luca garza i mean he's got a double double in both his games um, he's, he's the first, we didn't have a pure center last year and he's a pure because center. Adam Woodbury was gone <laughs> because Adam Woodbury was gone. And I think Adam worries, Adam Woodbury's defensive prowess in the paint. Um, it hurt not having that last year. Certainly probably worth one or two more wins. We probably would have gone to the dance. We had him, had Adam Woodbury. All right, please, Adam, don't come eat me. Um, but Luca Garza, I'm telling you, I haven't been this excited for, uh, a freshman Iowa basketball player since ever. I really, really liked what he had to see. And as a whole, I am really, really excited for this basketball season. So was it mostly the defensive output that he gave you? Cause he was, I mean, he didn't have the most electric day. He was two for eight from the field, um, went to the free throw line 11 times, made seven of those. So that, I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. encouraging to see, but 13 boards, a couple blocks, um, his ability to draw fouls as a freshman, um, again, we have to look at the competition, but still it, it was his senior, senior-like his ability to – and his ability to weave, his footwork, he has definitely grown into his body, whereas Adam Woodbury would – I hate – now we're now, – I mean, we're going to compare him to Adam Woodbury for the rest of our lives now. Um, but, you know, Woodbury looked a little bit awkward on the court running and handling the ball. I mean, Woodbury never handled, never handled the ball, but – Garza seems like he's fully comfortable in his frame. He looks like he his body language. He looks like he knows what he's doing. And um, I think he just is going to be a really electric player for this Iowa team for the next four years. What was your thoughts, going, keeping it with the freshman, on Jack Nungy? 
Nunji played like he hardly played. I think he hardly he played like. Oh crap! All right, well, <laughs> um, he was only two for six from the field. He's got a handful of just you know five rebounds and assists, a couple steals. So I mean, I'll, I'll talk about Nunji. I'd written him down, so I want to say that, that this offense runs through Jordan Bohannon. If he, because we still we haven't seen Connor McCaffrey play yet, so he could be you know as good as Jordan Bohannon was last year as a freshman. But I, I mean, I doubt it. But if this if this team is without Jobo, the offense is going to have some problems, and that's why I think we saw Nunji handle the ball and run the offense quite a bit. We saw Brady Ellingson do that. He's de facto number two point guard for this team. We saw Isaiah Moss even run the offense, and then Macy Daly. Um, also was running the offenses well and handling the ball. So between those four or five guys, we've got some really good ball handlers on the team. Uh, I mean, save nothing for maybe Ahmad Wagner. He probably won't be handling the ball much, but uh, he, but he's another guy. Wagner was another guy I was really impressed with. He has 13 boards in two games. Um, there is just so much more to like from this team than I could remember from last year even. Um, man, I'm just really excited for hoops. What was it about Macy Daly's game that you really enjoyed? I thought he was going to be just not good. I thought he was going to be – I thought he was going to turn the ball over. I thought he was going to be a liability on defense. I thought he was going to miss open shots. But he had – I think he had nine points against Alabama State. He uh, he has long arms on defense. reminded me quite a bit of Christian Williams. I think he caused two turnovers, maybe just one. Um and I, he was just obviously he knows that he's going to be, uh, he knows he's going to be fighting for playing time. And so I think when we get to playing real teams, so I know I think he knows that, and I think he um, is going. He's probably going to be the most uh, what what is it hardworking player for this team because he's probably it's probably going to affect him the most. I think Dominique Ewell knows where his position on this team is. And that's on the bench. Um, Daly's probably the one player who can play himself onto the court. Well, well that's that's intriguing. That's definitely intriguing for sure. Um, on the the more you know hardline stuff that people know about, Tyler Cook, Cook uh, mm-hmm. was he as billed as advertised at the beginning of the season? Everybody was kind of saying that he looks like a completely different player. Did you notice some of that stuff that these guys were were talking about at the beginning of the season? I was really impressed with him. I- Excuse me, I was really impressed. Jordan Bohannon and Brady Ellingson and whoever else really was handling the ball was able to find Cook under the rim or out in space. And Cook, I think he just absolutely manhandled his competition. I think, again, we're chalking it up to who Iowa was playing. Um, but, and, but I think Cook, we, we all knew that, I mean, some people even thought he might be a lottery pick one day. I don't think that's going to be this year or, or ever, for that matter. But I think Cook really is could be a catalyst for this team, and not just on the offensive side of the ball, the defense too. He can be a real enforcer. Cook, coupled with Wagner and Garza, those three guys, I, I, they are not small people, and not, save nothing for Cordell Pemsel either. But they're going to create some serious mismatches on the defensive end if we can ever get this defense figured out, because we know that's been a problem for Fran McCaffrey in his time. Figuring out the defense and making free throws. Iowa went to the line 33 times, only made 17 of them in this game. Not good, Ben. That's not going to get a job done in the tournament. What is that, 52%? 
It's it, I'm not very good at math. I was an English major at the University okay. of Iowa, but yeah, that looks bad. Yeah, um, I I wrote down free throws. I don't get it. I don't get how yeah. free throws have been so bad for this team. And I commented it on my recap of the basketball game, and even loyal commenter stoops my ass said he's not worried about the free throws. He said that I was about 1.8 points below the the, the the NCAA average for free throw percentage. But 1.8 points, how many games are decided by one point? I mean, that was a Minnesota game last year, right? Uh, That's a big deal. And if we can't just take these free points, uh, what's the problem? I posited in in a comment that uh, I know you only get 20 hours a week to practice, but these guys need to lock themselves in a gym a la Aaron White and not leave until each and every one of them is shooting 100 from 100 from the charity stripe because – if we come back here in February or March and we, because we lost a huge game for seeding purposes, because we couldn't make our freaking free throws, um, we're going to be stark raving mad. It's such a foolish and easy thing to perfect. There's three games. Free throws matter. Yeah. There's three games from last year that I could probably count off the top of my head. The Nebraska double overtime game being the first at Nebraska that if Iowa was able to convert those into two or three points, I was in the tournament as opposed to going to the NIT. Like you have to be able to make your free throws. And you're right, Ben, like as somebody that, you know, went to college to go play. Yes. It was at St. Ambrose and that's NAIA, but like you have time to go shoot free throws. This is something that the kids are supposed to do. Yeah. Fran's not going to go into his practice time to tell these kids to go shoot 20 for 20 minutes. (laughs) But, like, when you're in between classes or looking for something to do anyways, instead of jacking up three-pointers, why don't you get to the free-throw line and try to go 10 for 10? And then the next time up, go 20 for 20 or 18 for 20 for that matter and just progressively get up there until you're shooting at a 75% clip. Because if I would get to 75%, they're going to win a couple of games that are going to matter, and it could be in tournament time. Xbox privileges away from this team. I mean, I'm serious. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Well, folks, I don't know if any of you are going through the same type of stuff that Ben is to get these games on. You got two more games to go before you're going to be able to see them on live TV at Virginia Tech for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So um, you can find all those recaps and everything that you need to read at Black Harkle Pants. You can check it out there. But before we go, Ben, I know that you have a flavor of the week, and we have to talk about the Purdue game, unfortunately. First, so we have a sponsor. What's the flavor of the week? Ben and Jerry's Flavor Week has picked up a sponsor. I was just in Iowa City talking to our corporate partners. And let me tell you, we got DCs on the pod. Do you feel like eating a stein of beer the size of your head? Do you own a green Blackhawks jersey? (laughs) Are you too young to remember the Michael Jordan years but still talk about them fondly? Then come on down to DCs. We can drink your body weight in Miller Lite for under $20. DCs, come for the steins. Stay for the worst bathroom in Iowa City. You won't remember the great time you had. DC's is now oh. sponsoring Ben and Jerry's Flavor of the Week. You heard it here. And that was some gospel for you, and I got some gospel here right now. This is a stone-cold lock. I hate to say it, guys, but we're going to be Iowa State fans for the week. They are giving nine points to a one-and-nine ba- hapless Baylor squad. An Iowa State team, that, let's admit it. They might just be our best one of the year, guys. They just lost a heartbreaker to Oklahoma State. They have some good, good losses on their schedule. 
and we're going to take, we're going to give nine points and take the Iowa State Cyclones in, where, where is Baylor? It's not Dallas, it's freaking Waco. Waco, Texas. My flavor of the week this week, and by the way, my <laughs> part of the flavor of the week is sponsored by DC's Fish Bowls because Fish Bowls is the real thing that makes you not for, remember what you did last night. I'm taking UCF uh, laying. Are those the fighting Kiffins? I believe it's eight points. Hold on. Let me go back here. <laughs> no. You, <laughs> fighting Kiffins are FAU. UCF is the Golden Knights. Pretty soon their coach is going to be the new Florida Gator coach. I'm calling it right now. But UCF is laying two touchdowns to Temple. I've unfortunately watched Temple mm. games because my wife's family is in the Philadelphia area. Some Temple fans up there. And being here in Orlando, UCF outscores people like by 60 points. So laying this 14 is nothing. I don't believe in Temple at all. Go ahead and lay some down on the Golden Knights who are just chawing at the bit to get to next week's game against their true rival, USF, who has one loss in the season. The fighting Charlie Strongs against the undefeated UCF Golden Knights Charlie trying Strong. to get wow. one of the big bowl games coming up here soon. So go ahead and lay those points against Temple. <laughs> oh, my. The, yeah, you see Florida, Florida football news outside of Incredible. the Gators, the U, and Florida State. You got it here, folks. All right, let's get over to Purdue. Max, I've been waiting all day to kind of hear your take on the Purdue game coming up. I want your prediction as well. Lay it on me. Um, Purdue is terrible, and I was going to lay 1,000 points on them because uh, I don't like Purdue. <laughs> I've never liked What's Purdue. What's the one thing you hate most about Purdue? Um. Their stupid mascot. What's a boilermaker? It's a is it a plumber? Is that a nice way of saying a plumber? I mean, it's a it's a drink. Is it actually a boilermaker? Yeah, boilermaker is a drink. What's in it? Yeah, what? A boilermaker is a uh, when you put two types of beer in a cocktail. It's like uh, that sounds. Let's go. Uh, yeah, that sorry, sounds horrible. Not, sorry, not two types of beer. Sorry. I meant to say, uh, it's a uh, beer and a shot of whiskey. I, that's not true. It's called beer and a bump. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I can't hear anything on the stupid thing. Um, yes. can you guys hear me? Yeah, no, we're. I I hear you now. It's just cutting in and out, and I don't know what's going on anymore. All right, uh, what else do we got on the docket here, Jerry? Give me your prediction, and we'll we'll, we'll end it. <laughs> yeah, let's end it. Um, oh my goodness. God, what time? Two thirty game two. That is so sad. They all are now, though. I don't. I know. I don't get it. When I was a junior and senior, I think there was one non eleven a one non one Jesus one non eleven a.m. kickoff over two years when I was a junior and senior in college. Yeah, but that's they've changed it because they have Fox. this new yeah, TV thing, Fox. and they don't want to play at 11 a.m. anymore because there's no exposure. Blah blah blah. It's all stupid. Who cares? All right, prediction: Iowa, God, twenty, Purdue, ten. Oh God! Well, at least they cover in your eyes, so that's a good thing, I suppose. Hey, I was. <laughs> did we did we talk about the spread? I it's, completely it's, yeah, missed it. Yeah, it's seven and a half. I'm not bad. Iowa doesn't deserve any more of my money. No, yeah, I lost big last week, thinking I was going to cover twelve, and I will not bet on them the rest of the no, season. No, they don't. They don't deserve any more of my money. 
no, absolutely not. I have Iowa winning this game too. It's going to be some score versus some score, and I don't know if I give a shit anymore to really care about guessing these games because it's just that's where we are. It's basketball season, and I can't even watch those guys. So I'm in this weird limbo between disappointment and ready to lose my marbles over this basketball team. Uh, yeah, that's called life, right, Jerry. I've got, um... Yep, I hear you. All right, guys, we're going to end it right there. Thank you all for sticking with us here. We've had some technical difficulties. We've had to piece this bad boy together, but it's here because we care about you all. Remember, go on iTunes, leave us a review, give us your thoughts, give us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. For Ben, for Max, I'm Jerry. Go Hawks. Hawks. Ugh.